service to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. I have an idea for a Marin, Ben. Oh boy. Marinate me. Oh, we're both going to be marinating because uh, we got a package in the mail from our we friend. Did. Our friend Aram Creton from Federation Brewing. Out of Oakland. Hold it down for the Bay, Oakland. Uh, we've we've met, I, I believe we've met Aram before. Uh, he's come through the line and given us some of his uh, his delicious beers before. And yeah, and he had a uh, he had a priority one message pretty recently. Yeah, on the show. That's the main way to get our attention. <laughs> yeah, he he sent us each a uh, a big box of beer. And uh, I didn't know beer came in boxes, but uh, there were cans inside the box. And I actually was texting with our buddy Sarus Faravar, who, like Federation Brewing, is a Oakland person. I'm from the Oakland city. He sent me a news article about how a lot of Bay Area breweries are having to adapt to the pandemic by uh, pivoting to canning exclusively. Mm -hmm. And I actually have Mm -hmm. a a dear friend who works at a brewery in Oregon, Boneyard Brewery, that um, she was furloughed for a while because they were kind of a keg-based operation and now they're canning as well. And so she's back to work. But um, but yeah, like the, the canning thing is like, is how small breweries are trying to survive this thing. So if you're a, uh, if you're a beer enthusiast uh try and find uh try and find a small local brewer that you can support like federation brewing because they really need it i don't predict that pivot to canning is going to go like pivot to video did for you and me i think this is going to be a a much more positive outcome yeah uh i have a couple of the offerings of federation brewing here in front of me and i'm going to see how they taste poured into my drunk shimoda bar and grill commemorative pint glass hey ben uh, inside the boxes was a sheet of tasting notes. Did you get that? I did get that, yeah. Okay, so maybe uh, maybe you could tell me what beer you're drinking, and then I could read what the tasting notes are, and then we could hear what you think. What I'm pouring right now is the fully functional anniversary pale ale. Now you are fully functional, aren't you? Of course, but... How fully? Well, according to my notes here, Ben, uh, you should be getting aromas of pear, pineapple, and fresh-cut grass. Hmm. Strong grapefruit and pine resin flavors. How's that taste? This is great. I really like it. It's uh I mean those are those are strong flavors you just listed off and mm-hmm. I think that you get them all but it's not overwhelming or in any way. I'm and looking at the beer in the glass that you have there and it looks it looks dark and red. Yeah, it's got a it's got a bit of redness to it. It's yeah. not it's not super dark. Yeah. Um Yeah, uh Aram was kind enough to, before sending us a bunch of beers, ask us what type of beers that we liked. And that's so considerate because most most brewmasters are, uh, are, are proud of their hoppy, dark IPAs in particular. And, yeah. and as a light beerman over here, I, I definitely appreciated <laughs> that he asked because he sent us different boxes of beers. Yeah. 
What do you got over there, buddy? Uh, what I've got is a pint can of Behind You Blonde Ale. We're right behind you. Which is great. <laughs> like, like I love the names of these beers because they're all uh, they're all Star Trek related in their way. Super yeah. fun. This one has a, a, a tasting note with lightly sweet malty aromas, pale golden color, soft malty sweetness, low bitterness, and a smooth medium light body. Oh, Ben, you know, if, if you know anything about me, you know that uh, that smooth body is what I'm all about. <laughs> uh, this is great. This is uh, this is what you and I have on occasion called a porch beer. Yeah. Uh, a light and crushable. Uh, this is this is great. This is a, the perfect warm weather brew dog, if you ask me. And uh, the only downside to it is that it comes in a can too tall for our uh, for our greatest gen koozie doesn't go up all the way yeti does make a tall boy format of their koozie they so do? maybe we should invest in a second koozie wow yeah for each of us all right that's fair uh, i um, really like it yeah well thank you arm for sending this stuff in this is super cool and it's only put a slight amount of strain on my marriage to have loaded our an entire shelf in our fridge up with beer <laughs> Yeah, that didn't go over well at my household either. So <laughs> we're in the same boat there. Uh, Adam, do you want to get into the episode we came to talk about today? Sure do, Ben. It's a, it's a serious one. It's Deep Space Nine, Season 6, Episode 18, Inquisition. Didn't expect that. No. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. This episode starts with Bashir kind of working late, trying to, he's doing that thing before you go out of town of trying to get a lot done so that your coworkers aren't left holding the bag while you're gone. That means, you know, giving lots of iPads to the nurses that work in the infirmary. Uh, we find this out because Odo. Now, Mr. Bunkin. Comes in and is is uh, he's basically there to razz the doctor about the idea of a of going to a medical conference. Doctors always have their conferences in places that are nice to go to, which I I have found to be true. I uh, there's a brief part of my career where I did a little videography for a organization that put on like continuing education conferences for physicians, specifically physicians that worked on the issue of irritable bowel syndrome. Oh, wow. And, uh, and I went to like big conference hotels in San Diego and Las Vegas for the, for those jobs. What are they serving at the buffet at, at the IBS conference? I wonder. Just um, uh, saltines? I think, I think that they gave the crew different stuff than they gave the physicians. Mm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, uh, the, the one thing I remember that really sticks out to me about the buffet at one of them was there was like a, a little setup in the back where the crew could get some food and a Latinx, uh, hotel worker was putting the stuff out and was putting out something that was labeled ceviche. And what it looked like to me was cooked shrimp in like paste picante salsa, wow. like just, just like jar salsa dumped over cooked shrimp that's really gonna like, get things moving and i asked the guy i was like is this is this ceviche any good and he was like no i don't like it <laughs> 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 and i was like good looking out dude 
Thank you for being real with me. God, you love that kind of honesty. Yeah. But you clocked it. <laughs> you clocked it from across the banquet room. I saw it for what it was. There's like a new uh, leader in the clubhouse of of fancy places to visit on Star Trek, and it's Casperia Prime, and that's where this conference is going to be. They have very few problems with their, their weather generator there. <laughs> Sounds like they keep that thing under lock and key the way they should. Risa should take note. Not quite as many Federation turncoats over there. Right. But uh, the chief... I am Chief Miles Edward O'Brien. This is fucking spectacular. Walks in in his kayaking getup with a sore shoulder at him. It's another Chief O'Brien kayaking injury. Chief of the Rapids. Miles Edward O'Brien. I love it. It's like the river calls to me. Was this the same wetsuit that he had in TNG or did they get him a new wetsuit? It's a different wetsuit. I love how Dr. Bashir manually sets the dislocated shoulder. Don't come near me or I'll hurt you more. This is hundreds of years into the future. And the way (laughs) to relocate a shoulder is still to jerk on it. Yeah, I mean, he does get a hypo spray afterwards. But the the deal is that this is going to be hurt for a while. And it kind of makes it seem like the chief has like a bit of a kayaking problem. Because he was told before not to get back in those rapids until his arm was healed up, and he did it anyways. It's like yeah. when something, when a compulsion becomes something that is affecting your relationships and your work, uh, it's it's time to admit that you have a problem. And I think admitting the problem is probably the first step of KA. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Dr. Bashir has prescribed a version of kayaking with none of the downsides, uh, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, it just doesn't give Chief O'Brien the same high. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't want to go on kayakodone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to stand in that line. No. He doesn't yeah. want to want to pop the the kayakodone out of the little paper cup. <laughs> There's some shame involved, you know, but that's more of a social issue, right? Like we shouldn't shame people that have this disease. I thought that Bashir was wrapping up work so he could get on a shuttle directly. But instead, what he does is he goes back to his quarters, finishes up his packing there and then goes to sleep. The idea being that he needs to get to bed to wake up early to hop on the shuttle to head to the conference. Bashir uh, follows a, a rule that I live by which is no work travel before 10 a.m so what getting up early to catch a flight for bashir means is a 7 a.m alarm very humane i also prescribe to the travel rule of pack the day before and not the morning of (laughs) what are you trying to do stress yourself out he's got a mind the size of a planet adam he can pack the day of he's fine he is super tired when he wakes up tired enough that he says out loud to himself that he's going to need a lot of coffee on this particular morning and gets radioed up to ops, right? He He's not able to uh, to complete his pack or I guess he does complete his pack, but he, he like can't he can't head straight to the shuttle for uh, for his trip. Alexander Siddick is doing act tired for a lot of this episode. And I think it's crucial to remember that. I think this is a this is a challenge 
to maintain mm -hmm. the fatigue throughout. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? When he gets up to ops, uh, it's a pretty grim mood, I would say. Not a lot of uh, not a lot of sunny, chipper faces among the senior staff. Kira is still being mean to everyone there. Like that part <laughs> of the last episode is consistent. She's still got a major chip on her shoulder about all the stuff she found out about her mom. Right, but this is uh, this is a thing that happens in the workplace from time to time. The mood changes because we've brought in consultants. What would you say? You do here. Mm -hmm. uh -oh. The consultants are internal investigations. The captain that the captain comes out with another captain-ranked guy, Deputy Director Sloan, and uh, we see that he has four pips that also have an underline. Right. That means he's got the performance model pips. <laughs> That's only outranked by a captain with pips that are bold and italic. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, if you've got strike through pips, it means you are Captain DeSoto. <laughs> True indeed. Uh, it's it's great. Like the layout of ops is such that you can see Cisco. Are we sure that Captain De DeSoto doesn't have wingdings pips? Oh yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> They're like uh, firework, 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 firework. <laughs> Yeah. I love how Ops is set up to where you can see inside Captain Sisko's office. You can see him having this conversation with Sloan. And then when he emerges, he drops the bomb. It's kind of that police captain thing where there's like Venetian blinds, but Sisko never does the thing where he like turns the, the little thing to close the blinds. That's Yeah, that'd they, be fun. They can always see up in there. Yeah. But Sloan has some bad news, which is that there is a leak on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Somebody among the senior staff is giving information to the Dominion as far as Starfleet intelligence can tell. And he is there to get to the bottom of who that is. And there are procedures for this. And they're pretty they're pretty draconian. Every senior staff member is being isolated, uh, sent to quarters, and um, very little to toilet paper will be allotted to each one of them. Another example of Deep Space Nine's prescience. <laughs> They, they all get kind of like frog marched off, like under phaser point by, uh, by Sloan's goons who are, you know, like Sloan is in a, is in a command uniform, but everybody with him is a, uh, is a security person. Poor Bashir gets like publicly humiliated by Sloan in this scene because he doesn't even need to ask if, if his trip to his conference has been canceled. But don't worry, we've already informed Starfleet Medical that you won't be attending your conference. Oh, that's very considerate of you. I, I just loved that hanging over Bashir. I thought I thought that Alexander Siddig did a great job of playing a guy who's, you know, like, this is a bummer, but I know that I'm not guilty, so I'm thinking about how this affects me personally. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he, he, he really gets badly shamed by Sloan. Gold to come to the cut. Gold, the cut. So. After the theme, we cut to Bashir pacing in his quarters, clearly racked with urine withdrawals because his <laughs> replicator isn't working. Ben, yeah, and he didn't didn't bring a stock home. He, he figured he would be able to get urine from presumably the in-flight toilet. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like anything else, a thing always tastes better when someone else makes it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And right. and inside his own quarters, he's just stuck with his own brew. Oh, everyone likes their own brand, don't they? Ben, at what point did you realize this was an episode at Bashir, like in a frame of mind kind of way? Because to me, this was the scene. I yeah, it hit me very early on that that this was all a game at him. And I wonder if, as we recap this episode, we might be able to talk about why that is. Yeah, um, I remembered seeing this episode, and I remember William Sadler's Sloan uh, very well as like a very scary character. Mm-hmm. But um, I did not remember that Sloan was introduced in a, a Bashir episode and yeah. uh and this scene yeah reminded me that that's what what we were in for i think the scene is so great because he's you know pacing and he's trying to get himself some breakfast hot buttered scones mobile jam red leaf tea please but also like you know he like knocks a pen off of his desk and it rolls under the couch and like him feeling around under the couch is it's just like it just establishes like a there, a lot of work is being done to establish where certain objects are in the room so that we will see that the room has been meddled with later. That's got to be the greatest challenge of a 40 something minute episode is like you must establish place continuity for things yeah. in such a way that all that also doesn't give away how important place continuity is. But there's like. There's both like the Gom Jabbar thing of like, oh fuck, what is he gonna touch when he reaches his hand under this couch? <laughs> but also when the security person walks in and sees him doing something weird like this, they like, uh, I dropped a pen, like the you you wanna explain it away for him. Like you wanna like you wish you could tell her why he was reaching under the couch so that right. she wouldn't rat him out about something. And and I think that's such effective filmmaking. Like he yeah. feels so vulnerable in that moment. This is the second episode that Michael Dorn has directed, and I think it's a little too early to tell what about it makes it his style. But I found it very competently directed throughout, almost to the extent that that like it didn't feel different to me in a notable way visually. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's so interesting because like early Frakes episodes had such a distinct visual language from er other TNG episodes that like without even seeing the credit, you could often spot one. Right. And I don't think that that's how Michael Doran approaches directing. It's interesting to me that uh, so many other cast members got to direct TNG, but not Michael Doran. He got to direct DS9 episodes. I wonder if he des- decided to do it uh, when yeah. he got to Deep Space Nine. Because, um, I mean, based on our conversation with LeVar Burton, it sounded like that was something that was kind of on offer. If And if you were interested, all you had to do was ask. But yeah. who knows? The degree to which Bashir's circumstances are serious, I think, is made clear when he meets up with Sloane and it is revealed that Sloan is wearing an action vest for the interview. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I immediately was like, how physical is this interrogation going to get? When, yeah. you, when you see a Starfleet action vest, I think I think you know things are going to get pretty heavy. Well, and we just feel so off balance, right? Because 
like nothing is going according to plan like the walk to this meeting they get rushed by by people with rifles running down the promenade and it's like if there's like a senior staff member leaking information to the dominion what the fuck would people with rifles need to be doing running around in the promenade like that doesn't make sense like the two things don't seem related and like I think the episode relies on you to do that math and just be like, what is even happening, man? We have an understanding, at least a basic understanding, that there are competent people, competent in quotes, uh, working for Chief O'Brien on the station. But like, who do we know works for Dr. Bashir in a medical capacity? The Steve Sanders' mom from 90210. And that's it? Yeah. They really need an EMH on there, on the station. Yeah, or like a Nurse Ogawa. Right. That would be nice. Right. Uh, This first meeting between Sloan and Bashir is almost too chill. Yeah. Just a couple of perfunctory questions. Actually, when I first came in here, I uh, half suspected that uh, I would be interrogated under a very bright light. (laughs) Not this time. They both share a laugh about how dangerous it is to go to and from a conference anytime you're on this show. Yeah. It's great. Sloan confesses that he had aspirations to become a doctor that he did not follow. Right. And Bashir is quite, is quite open with him. You know, he's doing the like, yes, of course, uh, you know that I'm, I'm genetically engineered. That's a thing that you should know about me. Uh, he is not hiding behind anything. He doesn't have anything to hide. He has no guilt on his conscience. He's an unashamed (laughs) X-Man. Wow. Nicely done, my friend. Sloan is kind enough to take his breakfast order at the end of this thing. uh, After Bashir tells him that he's having trouble with his replicator, Sloan's like, of course you are. We turned them all off. We don't want you making sharpened toothbrushes out of that thing uh, we need to we need to make sure you guys don't go anywhere but i'll be happy to take your breakfast order what would you like and uh it's it's a specific order hot buttered scones a moba jam and uh, some red leaf tea please sounds really good right now yeah i could go for some scones some jelly and some tea as long as the scone is dry and crumbly that's what a scone is you don't want a scone that's like a muffin no, yeah, you don't you don't want it to be cakey. Mm-hmm. You may have a looser definition of scone than I do. I don't think it's really open to interpretation, though. When Bashir gets back to his room, he notices that it's been very lightly tossed. An right. almost imperceptible amount of tossing has happened to his room. Like, try to imagine the police broke into a white person's home and tossed it. Like, that's the amount of tossing that happened here. I think someone's been snooping around my quarters. O'Brien has blown in a secret FaceTime to Bashir. This is very surprising. This doesn't yeah. even seem possible, but O'Brien's an expert on station systems. He just grilled me for over two hours. You're looking for about 145 degrees, and we are right on the money. He really changes the temperature on this post-interrogation feeling because a moment before, we're like, well, this isn't going to be so bad. The uh, scones are on the way. And there, there yeah. were just some... Some some light tossing of the room, but but O'Brien comes on the screen and he's like, dude, I was hardcore interrogated for two hours and all the questions were about you. The arrival of Gach, not scones, is also very unsettling. Very threatening, yeah. <laughs> if Sloan is sending a message, uh, message received. Yeah, Bashir says, it's a bit early to be relishing in my body. Yeah, O'Brien is credibly scared here. 
Yeah. Thought this was a good moment. It's freaky. And uh and it's like, you know, O'Brien gets like gets like fuzzed out, right? The the call loses connection and suddenly Bashir is getting dragged back to Sloan's office. Right. We get to know this same security person doing this several times. She's great. Yeah, she's she's really good at making us hate her guts because but, it's arbitrary, right? Like yeah. it's like she does not give a fuck what happens to Bashir. Like if if he's innocent and gets and gets exoner, exonerated for whatever he's being investigated for, she does not she is not going to like worry about how he thinks of her, you know? The moment he gets dragged in for his second interrogation is the moment where we start feeling the Kafka, right? Right. This time the security guards stay inside and I thought that was such a subtle difference between this interrogation session and the one before you can see them stationed inside the door with their weapons this time in a way that that it's just not the same right and sloan's tone is so different here he is angrier and more you know like he cuts bashir off you have a problem with that he phrases things in ways that bashir really disagrees with like he says like when you were spending some time with the dominion and bashir's like i didn't spend time with the dominion i was abducted by them and put in a prison that's not like a visit to grandma's house asshole uh william sadler's chewing up the scenery here the way a willem dafoe would and i mean that as like the highest compliment i think i think there's definite willem dafoe vibes to sadler's performance throughout this episode it's really fun and he's kind of treating him like a manchurian candidate like a yeah maybe maybe you are a bad guy and don't even know it yeah and what if you didn't know it and I'm telling you that you should know it. You're saying I'm a Dominion spy and don't even know it. What, what's it going to take to activate you? Why don't you pass the time by playing a little solitaire? I think that there's like an interesting crossroads here story-wise because this takes place in a universe where that's actually plausible. Like mm-hmm. we've seen characters that were sleeper agents and didn't know it. Like Jordy. Yeah. And I kind of think... There's another interesting story to be told of of Bashir going like, "Oh fuck, what if I am? Shit. Like how like yeah. what do we do about this? I don't want to betray the Federation." Like this is me Dr. Bashir talking right now. If a post-hypnotic suggestion has been implanted in me that we can unimplant, let's do it. What do we have to do? Doctor, I am trying to help you. Like that's a pretty cool Star Trek call to adventure, I think. That uh you know that's not the that's not the road that they travel in this episode, but uh, but I liked thinking about it. You think you're smarter than the rest of us, don't you? The next thing you're going to tell me is that I do not prefer the delicious taste of urine, which is <laughs> absurd. <laughs> Who would ever say something like that about me? There are two things that strain credulity: one, <laughs> that I could ever be a sleeper agent, and two, that I would not enjoy drinking human urine. <laughs> and occasionally cling on. You want to do things the hard way? Fine. It's like an equal and opposing force, though, right? Because as hard as Sloane pushes into the idea that Bashir is a sleeper agent, the harder Bashir pushes back. The idea yep. of engrammatic dissociation is on the table. The idea that you can push back as much as you want, Bashir, but it's not going to change the fact that that you cannot prove that you're not a sleeper agent. Right. You've been unaccounted for for such a long time. 
you know, you were you were in that Dominion prison camp for this five is a weeks. when did you stop beating your wife type of situation here, right? Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't have an alibi for what happened when he was in solitary confinement on a fucking rock controlled by the Jem'Hadar. It's crazy how we get many scenes in a row where we drill deeper into the stories that Bashir has been involved with. And and having them retold by someone like Sloan in succession... Yeah. Really makes you add them all up and in totality you're like, you know, I could kind of believe this. I mean, it's sort of Sloan going like, hey, uh, a lot of these Bashir centric episodes have had a lot of plot holes in them. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I think the strength of this episode isn't that Sloan makes such leaps in in jumping to the conclusions that he does with the situations that Bashir has been in, I think yeah. the strength of the episode is how short a distance that is. Right. In, in right. adding all of this up, it's really nicely done. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pale. I'm in a pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my living state. Oh, I don't use the bucket anymore. This is such a subtle tip to what happens at the end of the episode too this is the moment where you realize that Bashir really is guilty until proven innocent yeah in a way that is very unfederation like right he starts talking about like maybe i should have a lawyer here and they're Mm -hmm. like that is not happening buddy yeah we're not getting you you a lawyer we are giving you a perp walk across the promenade the perp walk across the promenade where he's got shackles on his wrists. Yeah. Cisco is asking, like, is this really necessary? For some reason, Quark is there uh-huh. saying, we're all pulling for you, little buddy. Uh-huh. Just a relief for him to see anyone else in shackles perp walked across the promenade. <laughs> yeah. Odo is not running station security also. So this episode never gives us an opportunity to feel like, okay, well, at least somebody that we trust is involved in this part of the decision-making process. It heightens the paranoia when you have no allies around the way that Bashir is made to feel here. Yeah. That is until Cisco shows up because once Bashir is thrown into the brig, Cisco goes and meets him using his, uh, he basically pulls rank in order to do it. He big dogs Sloan into respecting his pips and then kicks the, he kicks Sloan the hell out of the brig so they can talk. Do I make myself clear? I think that this is such an interesting moment because you don't notice that Cisco isn't having that conversation with Sloan alone. We'll see each other tomorrow. In the meantime, enjoy your conversation. Crucially, this is all from Bashir's perspective. Nothing At, at a certain point in the episode, nothing can happen that Bashir doesn't witness himself. Mm-hmm. But it also... Feels like Cisco big dogged Sloan, big dogged Sloan's little deputy off in another scene somehow. So you, you might not have done the math on what's going on yet. And and I think that that's really well executed. What I love about how things continue in this episode is that, you know, you're given a hint that, okay, finally, like Cisco's on the scene. We're going to be okay. Like, 
if for no other reason than than he gets to sit on sit in on the interrogations. And what's yeah. great is we cross cut to the next interrogation, and Cisco has not helped the the paranoia of the situation at all. If anything, the scene is worse for Bashir because of of the evidence that that Sloan provides. Right, like Cisco can put up defenses like this is a lot of circumstantial evidence. Do you have anything more like tangible than that? But it, but there's so much of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a mountain, and it's it would be difficult for the best lawyer to defend against. And when you're just yeah. Captain Cisco of Deep Space Nine, it's and not, and not lawyer Picard. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to think about what lawyer Picard would be doing in a moment like this, because the process of jurisprudence being completely set aside so that Sloan can railroad Bashir into a conviction yeah. feels like, you know, like that train has built up a huge head of steam at this point and they can both feel it. I think lawyer Picard had the advantage because evidence regarding data during the Measure of a Man episode, like they didn't, they didn't talk about all the times that Data stole the ship, or right. or like <laughs> came close to murdering people in a corridor. Like they didn't use specific evidence from episodes in Measure of a Man in a way that, like episodes from this season, are used against Doctor Bashir here. It makes the uh, it makes the challenge so much greater for anyone defending yeah. him. But also crucially, this isn't Cisco. Yeah. So. Like, right. I think that, that that's that's so interesting is that like you think it is, but it's not. And that's why he's not great at this, because he's made not to be. And I think that that would maybe stand out a little bit more with Picard, because he would be so much more outraged and strident yeah. at this point. Yeah. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. I mean, the evidence is damning. It's not. I mean, even if the only episodic evidence was when Bashir was more concerned about curing the white addiction than destroying Jem'Hadar on that planet he crashed on. Or just uh, like giving the unqualified X-Men access to war strategy materials. Right. Even just one instance of that would be bad, but in totality, really bad look. And uh, you have to admit the lies that Bashir told about his life and his upbringing, like everything adds up to a pretty damning conclusion here at this moment in time it's pretty tough and Bashir is walked back to security you know he's going to be like transferred to another star base to undergo further questioning and Cisco is like yeah like I feel really bad about how this went down Uh, sorry basically but let's put that behind us for now it's a scene where you know Bashir and Cisco are talking to each other through the force field in in the you know in the lockup where Bashir realizes like maybe Cisco has lost faith in me. Yeah. He's he's asking for that reassurance of like tell me tell me at least you believe me. And Cisco I th- I think Cisco is like wow I'm I'm just dog tired after today. Anyways, I'll catch up with you tomorrow, buddy. <laughs> I've got dinner on the stove, so I'm going to go check on that. Yeah, that gumbo, you don't you do not want to overcook gumbo. Yeah. Take it from me. The next morning, Sloane's plan is to take Bashir to Starbase 53, which is the Rurapente of Starbases. There's a maximum <laughs> security cell waiting yeah. for him there. 
They don't have an electronic frontier. No. It's just nothing but underbite dogs <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. And I think it's maybe not even the morning, but like late at night, like he's like fallen asleep and then woken up just suddenly. Um, it's a little hard to tell. And I think that that's also intentional, but they're about to take him when he gets uh, surprise beamed out with a, uh, a critically a, a Cardassian transporter beam. Right, right. I, I wondered if if you're getting transported, if you can tell what kind of beam it is. That's that's an awesome question, actually. Like, uh, like the Cardassian beam always feels a little more crackly to me. Yeah, yeah, it, it feels a little. It's it's like a one in a million chance that you'll get turned into cat food with the Federation, <laughs> uh-huh. and like a one in ten thousand with the Cardassian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a fun detail. He gets beamed right into Wayun's office. Yeah, which is and great. like, and Sloane is like, is like, he's getting beamed away. No, stop him! And and then. Wei Yun has him. It's like out of the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> it's weird because the security people's reaction to don't let him get away is to aim their phaser rifles at the <laughs> at the beaming away Bashir. How's that supposed to stop him? We know we know from experience that the phaser beam will bounce right off that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh into the office of Wei Yun he is beamed. A a Wei Yun who is really happy to see Bashir. Welcome home. This was a moment where I wrote down why would Wayun use a Cardassian transporter? And I think this is styled as a Cardassian ship and I thought it was yeah. interesting an interesting and specific choice that that would be the case. Yeah, I think so too. Really well done. Uh, I mean there's Cardassian uh, security people in his office as well. Cardassian and Geminar and Wayun is there to talk to Bashir about uh hey, uh, you've been a great Manchurian candidate type sleeper agent for us. And uh, we really appreciate all you've done. And they're talking about like, you know, Bashir being broken and turned to the Dominion cause in the in the camp. And it's kind of that kind of like dovetailing with the idea that the um, unoptimistic X-Men came up with when they determined that the Federation's war against the Dominion was unwinnable, that Bashir flipped sides not out of any like, you know, betrayal of the Federation, but just to save the most lives possible, mm. which is like a like a flattering like idea that he might, you know, that he might think of himself as having done this for explicitly humanitarian reasons. Why the very name is racist. The logic of this holds together neatly. Right, because he's what like makes the viewer question the reality of this moment. If billions die, think of all the urine that wouldn't be produced. I'm merely trying to prevent the massive spillage of unnecessary <laughs> urine. <laughs> but this is like when he starts to get suspicious. Why would you both be trying to convince me of the same lie? He calls Wayun on the fact that, like, how the fuck are you? Serving me scones with butter and jam and tea. How the fuck are you trying to convince me of all of the same shit Sloan is trying to convince me of? Like, what is going on here, man? What do we know about sense memory? Like, like uh, smell and taste are some of the most powerful things, right? He gets a yeah. whiff of these scones, really takes them back. 
He's suspicious immediately. Why why are these same scones a part of my story? Starting to be some cracks in the facade that he is being presented with. This is the moment where uh, where he full on turns into Riker from Frame of Mind. He's like, uh, <laughs> "What do you mean? What do you mean you can't serve me something other than scones? Can't is a contraction." <laughs> Shut up, Wayun, as in close your mouth and stop talking. Let me help you. No. He comes on the idea that maybe Sloane and Wayun are working together, like his. His mind goes in a different direction than I thought it would, but but it's plausible, right? That he would think like, oh, maybe like maybe Sloane is the turncoat and Wayun is doing as Wayun does, and I'm being victimized by some evil plot that they all have. I love how this scene is interrupted. Like like it's so fun to be in a space battle where you can't see the view screen, right? Yeah, it's a bit like the uh, the one little ship episode, right? Where we get the bangers and then we get the boarding party without much to give us context for what's happening. Yeah, because uh, the, there's some bangers get dropped. Wei Yun runs away, and then Kira and Worf beam on t- into this room with rifles and kill the guard and uh, rescue Bashir. Tonally, this is so much fun. And this is something that you and I hit on a lot is like the feeling of a thing when you're when you're doing something out of obligation or are disappointed in the results of your mission. Like when that episode where they're they're seeking to rescue Cisco and they keep beaming up non Cisco's when (laughs) Worf and Kira rescue Bashir here, the feeling is all is all wrong. Like they're yeah. not they're not relieved to have the him in their custody. They're not like yeah. celebrating the rescue in any way <laughs> that you would that you would see it at any other time. And it's kind of like a weird random pair for yeah. for who would what who would the of course the boarding team of Worf and Kira just doesn't track, you know? Right. I mean it's ultimately paid off on the bridge of the little D when you really get the feeling for the situation, but it is really teased here in a subtle way. Yeah. On the bridge, he basically gets the same treatment from his trusted compatriots that he got from Wayun and Sloan before that, which yeah. is like, we know you're dirty doctor. You don't, you don't fool us. I've been called the dirty doctor before <laughs> <laughs> at Starfleet medical school when those gallons of urine samples disappeared. <laughs> they turned up in my dormitory. <laughs> if you were... Like, this is a scene that directly calls back that day after interrogation when Cisco was like, the interrogation does not go well, Enterprise. Like, that, <laughs> was, that was the moment when you started to see cracks in, in Cisco's confidence. And here, the conclusion is... Is fully apparent. Cisco confronts Bashir over how bad it looks that they had to rescue him from Wayun's ship. Right. It's great. He he is basically throwing Bashir off the bridge, like take this piece of shit out of my sight. Yeah. And Bashir go, does that thing where he goes around the bridge, like, "Surely, Dax, you believe me? Mm-hmm. What about you, O'Brien?" Yeah. 
I'm not gonna do what everyone thinks I'm gonna do. Flip out, man. And this is when the charade kind of falls apart finally. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Bashir grabs O'Brien's bum kayaking shoulder. Uh, and O'Brien does not flinch except for to f- to like pull away from Bashir. Bashir says to O'Brien, isn't that that shoulder that you hurt playing? Um, <laughs> what is a fake sport from right. the future? Uh, spring ball? Is that your spring ball shoulder? And O'Brien is like, yep, spring ball shoulder. It's better now, though. Thanks to you. You're the best. And then uh, Bashir drops his coffee cup in slow motion. (laughs) It hits the ground and shatters. He flips this on Chief O'Brien's head. He says, you didn't hurt it during playing that fake made-up sport of spring ball. You you hurt it doing the real thing of kayaking. Yeah. And then then we're in the hollow suite. Computer and charade. So we're in this big hollow room, and it's Sloan in a in a leather uniform with a couple yeah. of other le- leather uniformed guys. A couple of other leathermen. Yeah, yeah. Not a breathable fabric is leather. Yeah, this is the introduction of the idea of Section Thirty One. Right. It's super fun to experience this after having watched Discovery before. You know. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, this is the you know the first Section Thirty One thing ever. But your introduction to Section Thirty One was through Contemporary Trek, the eye trauma Trek, right? That's how I got to know it. <laughs> yeah, but these uniforms are, I think, pretty close to what they have in Disco, right? I thought so too. Yeah, this is the the dirty tricks arm of Starfleet that operates autonomously, so that the Federation can disavow the awful shit that they do to protect the Federation's interests. And it always fucking happens like this, too. Like, you get to hear the backstory for Section 31. It all sounds nefarious and bad. But then Sloan pivots into, like, uh, you like this leather jacket? Looks like Michael Kors, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but but it's not. It's Confederated Products. You can... <laughs> <laughs> Everything in this hollow suite is confederated products. For sure. <laughs> From the toilet paper to the to, to the candles to the ham. It's of a higher quality and a lower <laughs> price than what you might buy in the store. This and and Bashir is just like incredulous. This is a recruiting pitch. This whole thing has been a recruiting pitch. Yeah. He's like, the, you held up well under under some intense pressure, Mister. You you might be uh, just our kind. It was both a, like, they were actually eliminating Bashir as a potential Dominion sleeper agent and also setting him up for potentially coming to work for them. So if I had been a Dominion agent, what would have happened to me? We wouldn't be standing here having this conversation. And that is some wild shit. It's a wild line to ride, right? Like, you want to hire someone who loves pizza, loves pizza enough to make you pizza, but not to eat all the pizzas that you make at your restaurant. Right. It's crazy. The pitch does not go well. Bashir is uh, is too honorable of a man to work for an organization like this. And uh, and so he, he politely declines 
uh, being jumped into the gang that is Section 31. Well, if you gotta go, uh, then I understand. It's funny, like the end of the conversation he has with Sloan is like, you know, your your secret agency sounds awful. Like, what's to stop me from from telling everyone I know about it? And Sloan's like, fine. I mean, it, it wouldn't bother me one way or the other. Like, you, you're free to tell whoever you want. And then we basically smash cut to Bashir telling everyone he can <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about Section 31. Like, they've got a, a McLaughlin group Issue one. in Cisco's office, and Kira and Odo and Cisco are in there hearing him out. And none of them in the room are, are thinking that this is a good thing, the existence of Section 31. No. And Bashir's like, yeah, you're, you're going to be really proud of me, guys. I turned him down. I'm back in business. I'm ready to be your doctor again. Uh, let's let's get back to work. And there's some and, creepy stuff, right? Like that they looked for transporter traces yeah. to explain how Bashir was removed for the, from the station over the amount of time he was, and they can't find anything, which means Section 31 might have different and better technology than the rest of the Federation. They also, uh, like, they also discover that Bashir was like probably only asleep for like an hour so that when he woke up thinking it was 7 a.m. in this... In this uh, in this holodeck, he was like, "That was a deception." Right. I've, I think this holodeck set might be this holodeck set from Voyager. Oh, interesting. But uh, but it also looks like way more fancy and technologically advanced than the TNG holodecks or the DS9 holodecks. It looks good, uh, but it does not look good for Bashir because he can't just wiggle out of this job offer as easily as he thought. No. Cisco orders Bashir to accept Sloan's offer <laughs> should it be offered again. Yeah. Which it's on the one hand is like, what are the chances that, that the offer gets like re-given? I don't yeah. know. But on the other hand, does Cisco have that kind of authority over another <laughs> officer? Yeah, I don't That's know. That's amazing. It's Gulp 2 theme song. <laughs> oh, I want to talk about this last shot, though, Ben, because we re- we move in on Bashir's face before the credits after he's given this order and after everyone leaves the meeting. And there is very little happening on Siddig's face here, but there is something happening. And I think in the last second of this shot there is a little bit there's like a micro expression of hell yeah (laughs) do you think that that's there or is that just a projection by me like that he is that he is subtly making like a fist bump i think it's in his eyes and not his and not the rest of his face the the idea of of being uh flattered and excited by the prospect of of joining this this team is it is it hell yeah or is it like hell yeah? <laughs> the second one. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's there. I I believe it. Hell yeah! Did you like this episode, Ben? You really want to do this here now? Okay, okay, let's do it. Do Would it. you say of the two feelings about this episode, or would the answer to did you like it be hell yeah or hell yeah? Uh I would say it would be, hell yeah. (laughs) I did like this episode. That's good. I think it's like taut and tense. And I think I was onto it a little earlier than it wanted me to be. 
Like, I think I, I saw where Me it too. was going before it showed its cards, but it was still fun to watch after that. Like, that doesn't ruin it. Like, knowing the knowing who Tyler Durden was didn't mess the movie up for me. How about yourself, Adam? I like Star Trek episodes that try to fuck with my mind. Yeah. Like, I like Future Imperfect. I like Frame of Mind. I like when science fiction generally tries to to bend reality a little bit. And this feels like, while not being specifically a kind of mind-shattering... Like, what's great about this episode is that you don't see the mind shatter. It's a suggestion that a mind might be shattered. Right. And questioning whether or not it is. And I, I just think that's my favorite kind, one of my favorite kinds of Star Trek apps. So in that way, uh, I like this new spin on an old favorite kind of episode. I thought it was good, and I thought uh, it was good to get a Bashir-centric episode. That doesn't seem to be... A frequent thing, but it was nice, you know. You get the, you get the resume read back at Bashir of all the adventures that he's had over the yeah. last couple of seasons. It it adds up to a lot of shit. He's totally. been through a lot, and in a way that, um, like, until you read the record back, I'm not sure I would have been as full throated in in saying how much Bashir has been through. I would have been like, yeah, he's a he's almost a minor character at this point, but that's not true at all. Yeah, that's uh. That's well put. Uh, I will drink to that, my friend. Hell yeah. Do you want to see if we have any priority one messages? Hell yeah. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a couple of priority one messages here. The first one is of a personal nature. It's from Jillian, and it's to Tom. Goes like this. Tommy Walnuts. Happy first Father's Day to our family, Picard. Your kindness and character are the perfect fit for raising our lucky kid into a smart, caring person with a delightful, nerdy sense of humor. We love and appreciate you for your patience, support, and all those early mornings. There's nobody I'd rather be figuring this out with than you. Sounds like Tom's pretty great. Sounds yeah. like uh, Tom's also liable to roll around in the mud with a family member during an <laughs> argument. So I'd I'd uh, I'd keep my dirt dry around the household there, Julian. Do you think Tom has has uh, has wings in his hair? Can only hope. <laughs> Tommy Walnuts is a great nickname. No yeah, one's that's... ever going to call me Adam Walnuts. It just doesn't <laughs> roll off the tongue. <laughs> Someone could call you Benny Walnuts. I feel like uh, names that end in Y are good for the walnut appendage, right? Nobody ever has called me Benny, though. I've, I thought your ben wife called you Benny. My wife calls me Bene. Mm. Like Italian for good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not the same. Which is how my sausage gets described around these parts. This is a good gabagool, Bene. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. But it sounds weird when you say it, so don't. <laughs> I, I have no terms of endearment for you, Ben. Our second priority one message is from Coco Nono, and it's for Diet Water. The message goes like this. Happy Father's Day. Even though I grew up wanting to marry Picard, what my theory presupposes is maybe you're cooler. 
Whoa. <laughs> Thanks for being a better husband, father, relative to Chex Notes. Almost everyone depicted in Star Trek. <laughs> Bean says she loves you. Cake says, ba-ba-ba-ba. While brandishing a marker, here's to our <laughs> continuing adventures. Soupy Twist. Wow. A couple of Picard-themed Father's Day messages. How did that happen? In the first message, it, it used Picard as like a, a point on the horizon, a goal. Like yeah. Our family's Picard. The second message is like Picard is crap compared <laughs> to Diet Water. Yeah. Picard can get fucked. Diet Water's the king. <laughs> I, I, if they if they coordinated this, it was it was really brutal of them. Yeah. But I think it's just a coincidence. <laughs> so too. And I think that you know, Picard could could be garbage to to the wrong person, and could be the ideal to the right person. Yeah. Yeah. So it so. depends on uh, on whether or not you were at Wolf three five nine or not. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, if you'd like to leave a priority one message or compare someone to Picard, you head to maximumfun.org/jumbotron. It's a hundred bucks for a personal message and two hundred for a commercial message. And we really appreciate it because it helps us cover the costs of making the program. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace. And I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. 
We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Ben, you're going to love my Shimoda this uh-huh. episode because uh, it is a very subtle bit of, phys- of physicality by Alexander Siddig. It is a time code Shimoda, though. Okay. So I am going to need you to scrub the episode to about 420. <laughs> uh, it's the scene where Sloan is dropping the you're not going to that conference bomb on on Bashir and and we'll dismiss the crew they're they're going to their quarters i want you to look at Bashir's hands okay on his way out the out the room as he's escorted I'm pulling up the episode so Sloan has told them the bad news he has excused the crew and Bashir has a little bit of a subtle message to send back to Sloan about how he's feeling <laughs> by dragging his middle finger across the table <laughs> on his way out. Wow. How did this make it into the show? I think I noticed that when I was watching it and just thought like like dragging his finger like uh yeah, like I'm annoyed that my thing isn't happening now, guy, but I didn't I, love I didn't it. do the middle finger math. This is like Frank Thomas giving the middle finger to the guy who took his baseball card picture. Like this is this is amazing. Yeah, this is there's a Seinfeld episode where somebody does does one of one of those where they like rub their face with their middle finger. Yeah, and it's like just deniable enough that it made it past the censors. I love stuff like this. I love that it is like perfectly. This is this is an actor making a choice on behalf of his character. Yeah. And it making perfect sense in the context of the scene. That's a lot of it's, fun. It's great. But what about you? I'm giving my drunk Shimoda to Captain Benjamin Sisko in this episode. Just for like the... I think that maybe the funniest part of this episode to me is what a clockwork order it is for Sisko to say, next time they ask, you're joining. Like, Sisko's order to Bashir at the end of this episode is almost identical to him ordering Bashir to become friends with Garrick at the beginning of the series in both 
how inappropriate it is and also like what it is intended to do. Well, a couple of good Shimodas there, Ben. Uh, but what we need to find out is what episode we're watching next and in what way we're going to review it. For that, we go to the game of buttholes, the world of profits, at gawk.biz slash game. The next episode is season six, episode 19 in The Pale Moonlight. Cisco attempts to trick the Romulans into declaring war against the Dominion. This is uh, another episode that is often cited as one of the greatest Star Trek episodes ever made, Adam. Really? Yeah. Wow, you know, I have to admit I almost forgot about the Romulans mm. in in the context of Deep Space Nine. I'm sorry, Romulans, I forgot you were there. <laughs> well, uh, no one could possibly forget where we're at on the game board, Ben. We're currently on square 65. That we are. Uh we have a uh, a Jay Gordon square up ahead, which uh, which we could land on. That's of course the square where each host must make a piece of artwork representing the episode and share it with the other and post pictures. I'm afraid of hitting that one because uh, the thing I had in mind from the start was like one of those paper plate pasta pieces of artwork and pasta is such a scarce commodity right now that I wouldn't want to waste any of it on a piece of artwork. Oh yeah. That would be, it would be quite foolish. That would be a very like twilight zone thing to be like starving and looking at some macaroni that you glued to a paper plate up on your wall. It'd be a classic. Well, hopefully we don't hit that. Yeah. Hopefully that, that, bleak level of situation doesn't unfold um it's uh you definitely don't want to hit the square after that ben square 69 is the one where we must record a show while performing simultaneous (laughs) blowjobs on each other (laughs) uh the most dangerous square on the board i would say and it's not even close there's also a corks bar in range i believe yeah so i'm gonna go ahead and roll this thing you're required to learn as you play roll Keep your fingers crossed that we don't we aren't chugging each other's cocks next week. Oh no! Chula! <laughs> Did I win? Hardly. Oh, Adam, I rolled a four. Wow, that's great. Get that dick out. <laughs> <laughs> we should have to do the entire episode uh, while eating bites of hot dog. <laughs> Uh, the people at the misophonia would never put up with that. As it is, it's a regular old episode, Ben, episode 69. How how did we make that a regular old episode? I did a bad job bad designing the game of buttholes, The Will of the Prophets. Yeah, we can only blame ourselves. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to next week nonetheless, Adam. And uh, yeah. in the meantime, uh, we should direct people to contribute to the production of this program by going to maximumfun.org slash join now more than ever critical for us to get the support of listeners and uh, we really really appreciate the folks who do it your contributions of dry pasta or monthly support both equally appreciated to both of us You can also, of course, leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts. If you leave a five-star review and ask a question in the body text of it, 
uh, we might answer it on an upcoming episode of the show. I look forward to that. Our uh, our viewers have have always surprised me with what they're interested in knowing about us. <laughs> uh, we got to thank our buddy Adam Ragusia, who made the original Cisco song based on Dark Materia's original Picard song. Uh, we really appreciate the music both of them contributed to the show. And Adam Ragusia is now a great big YouTube celebrity. He's got a uh, cooking channel that you should definitely check out. Just search Adam Ragusia on YouTube. It's going to teach you how to cook real fun stuff that's easy to cook. You're going to get better at cooking and cook things that are really fun to eat. One of the brightest lights on Twitter is our card daddy, Bill Tilly. He's at Bill Tilly 1973. He, of course, is the creator of the comedy trading cards that you'll find there. Using the hashtag GreatestGen, you'll be able to see those as well as talk to all the rest of our viewers over on Twitter. Do that and also listen to our other shows, The Greatest Discovery and Friendly Fire. Yeah. Yeah, listen to Friendly Fire, the hit podcast about war movies. Yeah. With that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine which is sure to be a chess game. <laughs> Always is with them. Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.